Welcome back to the Power of Sports Nutrition podcast. My name is Liz Broad and I'm an accredited sports dietitian. Today, it's my great pleasure to be joined by Alois Rosario. Alois is a power table tennis coach. He's actually the head coach for Team Australia and was previously a player himself for Australia. So welcome to the podcast, Alois. Thanks, Liz. And uh, yeah, nice to be, uh, be along and to join you. Yeah, I'm really interested to hear what you've got to say to us. So can you start off with a little bit about your background, how you got into coaching and particularly how you got into coaching para table tennis? Yeah, so um, coaching started pretty early in my life. So I started coaching while I was still competing. Started coaching at a uh, my local club that I played for, working with the juniors there and just really enjoyed that experience of seeing players improve and being able to help them and as I said you know still competing at the time and it was almost Mm -hmm. a natural flow from you know competing and then um, the balance started to change between competition and coaching and worked Mm -hmm. a lot then with the junior level players but I guess the biggest thing that changed for me was I started working as the sports development officer for table tennis victoria so that was a scheme run by the victorian government at the time that helped players to uh to be also be employed within their sport so that was a a part-time it also allowed me to do some playing and coaching at the same time but that that experience of coaching in that role i think really helped me to you know gain a really wide experience of coaching um it was it was coaching with, you know, school level kids. So doing a lot of clinics in schools, then also working at the junior level, at the state level, and also then higher level athletes as well. So it, um, yeah, it was a really nice introduction for me for for coaching. And then as far as Paris is concerned, so that really only happened in about twenty eleven. So about uh, eleven mm-hmm. years ago. And again, it was more just by by chance, and I started, you know, exploring around. And uh, the the manager and coach of the para program at the time approached me and just asked whether I'd be interested in uh, in being involved. And uh, I thought, why not? And it um, it seemed like a really good area to uh, get into, just a different area. So uh, yeah, I, that's yep. I jumped in. Yeah, and, and then you got an opportunity fairly quickly to go to a Paralympic Games, I believe. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so uh, starting with the program in about 2011 and uh, by 2012, I found myself at the London Paralympics as the assistant coach yeah. there and helping out uh, Roger Massey, who was the head coach at the time. Again, great experience and being able to work with the elite para-athletes um, straight away was uh, was a real buzz. It, it's an interesting comparison I guess between coaching in the able-bodied world you know at the Olympic level and then moving into the Paralympic mm. level is there just seemed a lot more freedom and openness and ability to change things a little bit easier and, and quicker mm. as well which was uh, which was really uh, refreshing I guess for me because a lot of the players that we worked with so while there was the real elite level higher end players that were you know competing for medals there was also the players that were moving in as really developing players you know young players some older players that had just found out that there was a world of para table tennis like i had 
and and moving to that. So, you know, some of those some of these players, you know, one day were club players and the next day were in a national program. So just being able to work mm. that level of player and that type of player also was was new and you know challenging in its own ways. But yeah, as I said, pretty refreshing because things were quite open and and easy to change at the time. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us a bit about the sport of paratable tennis. What impairments are eligible to play? What are the types of events and classes that you have? And are there any rule differences between para and able-bodied table tennis? Yeah. So it's, I mean, table tennis in general is a really inclusive sport. You know, basically anyone can play table tennis at some Mm -hmm. sort of level. And at parat level it's also really inclusive so there are 11 classes in both female and male para table tennis so wow. there's yeah 22 classes which which really opens up opportunities for a wide range of players so the first five classes classes one to five are all wheelchair classes with the um mm-hmm. classes one to five oh sorry twos being the players with a higher level of impairment and play and uh, mm-hmm. five with the lower level of impairment, and then similarly from classes six to ten are the standing uh, classes with the um, higher impairment levels, you know six and seven, and in class mm-hmm. eight, nines, and tens, as you know, there's less impairment. You know the at and at class ten level, um, some of those players are competitive at in able body table tennis as well. So they're uh, they're starting to yep. you know reach you know top fifty, top hundred level in the world in able body as well mm. then yeah class yeah. 11 is the is the final class and that's the uh, intellectual impairment again which um, there's only the one okay. intellectual impairment class but you know as as you can see just pretty inclusive of a really wide range of players in table yeah tennis. so really only only the vision impaired is the really the only impairment that isn't included yes that's right and there there is a game for the uh, vision impaired, which is mm-hmm. Swish at a Paralympic level. So, um, you know, Swish is a game that, that is played. That It's a little bit different where you're rolling the ball under a net rather right. than hitting the ball over over a net. But, yeah, so it's uh-huh. quite a quite an exciting game. And I did have a chance to play a bit of Swish and I was hopeless. So it's, uh, it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> It's amazing how much <laughs> completely on. different skill set. Absolutely, <laughs> it's amazing how much you rely on vision and, and not your hearing. Mm. Whereas um, the, the the good swish players and even the you know the beginner swish players are, uh, are hearing the ball coming from a long way off. Uh, whereas I was mm. trying to uh, work out where the ball was once it rolled under my side of the net. So yeah, no good, no good for me. Uh, but, um, yeah. <laughs> but that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it, as I said, it, it is a game that's um, it's played, but not at the Paralympic level. And then mm-hmm. you mentioned with the rules as well in para table tennis. So the, the only real rule difference is with the wheelchair players, and that's uh, the serving rule. So the the serve when you're playing a wheelchair player is that the serve has to leave the table by the end line. So you can't serve it out wide, basically. Even if the ball right. yep. happens to bounce, you know, three or four or five times before it reaches the end line, it has to be following that path. So um, mm-hmm. it would just be too easy to serve it out really wide and uh, that would be the end of yep. the point, basically. Right. Okay. And 
the types of events that you have. So I presume that there's singles and doubles and perhaps mixed doubles? Yes, there is now. So previously at Paralympic level and including in Tokyo, there was singles and teams events. So the teams event Mm -hmm. uh, comprised of a minimum of two players where you play in doubles and then uh, both players Mm -hmm. play a singles match as well. But that's now been changed for Paris and now they'll have singles, doubles and mixed doubles, which is a bit of a change and it's just starting and I think, you know, everyone's really trying to find their feet with with the doubles in particular, the doubles and the mixed doubles. And there are different combinations of classes that you can use in the doubles and mixed doubles. You know, for example, in the mixed double, there's a mixed doubles 17, which means that your classes Mm -hmm. add up to 17. So you can have, you know, a a 10 and a 7 or a 9 and an 8 in there, or, you know, sometimes you might have a number that adds up to less than that. But I guess just trying to find, you know, what actually works for you as as a, as a country or you as a team, yeah, is, is going to be pretty interesting between here and Paris. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you had quite a big squad who went to Tokyo, quite larger than what went to to London 10 years ago. How, how many players did you have in yeah, Tokyo? We had, we had a lot. So, yeah, in London we just had had the two players who competed and they competed in the, in the singles and the teams. So it was, yeah, pretty different, you know, and it's just been building up over time now. And, uh, yeah, so it's it's mm-hmm. really nice now to have a, a big squad around us that can really mm. start to build the team aspect at the Paralympic Games. And it was really evident this time just the differences that that made within our, within our team, you know, rather than having just the two players. And, and whereas, you know, uh, the Paralympics is, is really good. With, I mean, Paralympics Australia are great at including everyone into the into the bigger para team. When you're when you're mm-hmm. in the table tennis hall, you're often you know by yourself. So yeah, so this time was was yeah. just having the bigger team around us and and having having that. So yeah, it was great. Yeah. So how many players did you have for Tokyo? Yeah. So we had in the in the wheelchairs we had just the one. So Danny De Toro. Uh, competed mm-hmm. there. Then we had a, a class uh, six male, so that was Trevor. Mm-hmm. Class seven male, Jake. Class eight male was Nathan, um, and class nine male that was Marlin, who uh, we'll talk about a little bit in a sec. Um, and then class ten mm-hmm. was Joel, and class eleven was Sam. So yeah, we had had uh, six six men and five women. So and, and in the wow. side, yeah, we had uh, Danny. Uh, we had Rebecca as a class six, and then we had Lee Nah, uh, mm-hmm. who was our class nine, and then we had two class ten players. So uh, Melissa Tapp, mm. who who has been to quite a few games now and also played at the Olympics, and one of our new players, Yang Chen, as well. So yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, it's- yeah, and and that was interesting. That was the first time that. You'd had a player who played both the Olympics and the Paralympics, is that right? Yeah, that's um, so. In Rio, um, Melissa qualified for both the Olympics and Paralympics, and so she was the first athlete in any sport mm. in Australia to do that, which was an absolutely amazing feat. And she managed to mm. do that again for Tokyo, and that's that's a challenge in itself because um, Millie had to, you know, especially in Rio, she had to compete. And then come back all the way from Rio 
do some training back home, try to reset and then head off again. For Tokyo, mm-hmm. it was a little bit easier being a similar time zone. She stayed over there. Yeah. And and especially with COVID, it was it was actually going to be impossible to get her back here and, and back to Tokyo. Mm-hmm. So she had to stay there. And she, uh, she yeah. trained with the able-bodied coach, John Murphy, over there in, in Tokyo uh, before we arrived. So, um, yeah, it's, it's right. yeah, just an amazing feat from, uh, from an absolute yeah. table tennis here. Yeah, and it's not like they just play one game. Well, like a tournament like a Paralympic Games, how many games might you play or even a World Championships because yeah. you've got all the knockout rounds as yeah. you know for each of the classes that they, That's you know, whether it's singles and teams. Yeah. So roughly how many games would you play? Yeah, you play, so if you get all the way through, you're going to play uh, probably six six matches in their singles and then you might play another three singles and three doubles matches in uh, in the team's event so it's pretty full-on mm. whereas a table tennis match doesn't go for all that long it's all the it's all the preparation you know it's the time between the training hall uh, the training hall and the village and then back to the hall for your match and the and the warm-up mm. time and the cool down time and all that sort of thing so um you know it might be a 30 to 40 minute match but you're spending five hours or so in that uh, mm. to, to get yourself down there and you know making sure that you get on a bus in time to get from the village to the to the playing hall and yeah. and making sure you don't miss that match so and then yep. and then there are things like that. so we've got the 40 minute time beforehand in the in the uh, cool room so you've got to be in there you know present your racket to the to the umpires and they check your shirts, all those sorts of things. And so there's all that time as well that, that just been so, mm. yeah. So whereas it might be, you know, 10 to 12 matches over over the period, that's a, it's a mm. lot of uptime um, for that. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So what are some, talk through some of the physiological demands of para table tennis. So you've got a 30 to 40 minute match and what would a typical training week look like for you? And what are some of the physical things that you work on the most? Yeah. So it, it varies a lot from player to player. But so, for example, yeah, some of some of our higher functioning athletes would do up to 11 sessions a week. And those sessions are two to two and a half hours each. Mm-hmm. Um, that's on table. And then plus... Um, yeah, their strength conditioning. So uh, usually three sessions a week mm-hmm. in, the, in the gym or or conditioning as well. So um, yeah, so that's the that's the time demand. And then uh, mm-hmm. yeah, then with yeah, with recovery etc., you're you're putting another few hours on that each week. So that's that's at the highest level and the and the higher functioning athletes as well. Some of the lower functioning athletes won't be, won't be able to spend that much time on table so the sessions would be under two hours and probably you know three four five sessions a week mm-hmm. yep yeah just because they need more recovery time yeah. in between that's right and and yep. they, they just can't spend that much time on their feet um so especially our class six seven yeah. players um, they just can't spend that much time on their feet during the day yeah it's just mm-hmm. uh, too difficult instead it's going to be detrimental to them at the end of the week Yep. And with the strength and conditioning, is the is 
there a stronger focus on strength versus the aerobic conditioning or more so on the aerobic conditioning than the strength? Yeah, there's all, all, all of the components, but, but less on aerobic and, yes, more on strength, mm-hmm. um, power and agility as yep. well and flexibility because um, the, the aerobic or the, the endurance comes in because, you know, during a Paralympics, for example, you know, over the, over the many days, you've got, to be, you've got to be up and down and mm. be able to sustain that. And, and the other thing that's always interesting in the Paralympic Village is the amount of walking that you need to do and the, the amount of time mm. that you are actually on your feet during that during Olympics, yeah. you know just getting to the dining hall and back although that wasn't an issue this time uh, with us in tokyo but mm-hmm. um, it's that it's then you know walking to the, the bus depot getting to the hall getting yeah. in and out and all that sort of thing as well so yeah so you do need that but yeah there's a lot of uh, strength and power yeah yeah and obviously it's a like it's Table tennis is a very dynamic sport, so as you say, the agility component is pretty strong. Is there? Would you say that there's a lot a high anaerobic component to yeah. playing table tennis? Yeah, very much so. You know, it's a lot of on and off. Um, so you're um, you're on mm-hmm. for you know maybe two or three seconds at at max max power, and then you um, then you've got five or six you know five six maybe ten seconds in between um of recovery so and you're doing that a lot of times Mm. over your match and over the over Mm. the day and over the tournament yeah yeah and so what do you think are some of the common nutrition issues that you've seen with your players yeah um again we we operate at lots of different levels you know so at the Mm. the highest level you know they're they're great with their nutrition as far as just their knowledge and and understanding their demands and the, yeah. the the main things are you know just the you know being able to fuel well enough before their training being able to fuel well at the end of training for recovery and, yeah. and you know in general during the week just eating well to um to maintain the amount of energy output and then i, I think it's also under and for me as well you know coming into para coaching it was interesting to just understand that the higher demands of a class six seven athlete for example who you know mm. just get uh, get to the training hall expends so much energy and uh, and yeah. you know whereas it might not look like they're doing a whole heap of of moving on table every movement that they make is 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 difficult and and you know just yeah. the, just the energy demands there that they need to be able to uh, to cover yeah would you say that a lot of them is it cerebral palsy or is it other forms of muscle um, sort of atrophy or muscle impairment or do you have a you know things like the people like lower leg amputees like what what sort of impairments are in those classes yeah, a lot of CP and some atrophy yep. um, at, that, at that level so yeah it's, mm-hmm. uh, yeah again just understanding those demands of, of the individual athlete I think is is the really key thing. And I guess it comes mm-hmm. back to, to dealing with para-athletes in general. You know, it's just understanding exactly what they need and where they're at uh, individually. Yep. Every, everyone's just that little bit different and has their has their own demands. Yep. And is hydration an issue? Like you're, in, you're playing in indoor environments, is the temperature usually fairly well controlled or can yep. that be quite variable? 
Yeah, no, the temperatures usually, and especially at major events, so the temperature is always really well controlled. In some in some instances, it can be a little bit higher. Um, you know, depending on with you know with yep. with lights and those sort of things. You know, Tokyo was quite warm in the in the hall, so the, mm. the demands are a little bit higher. But it's certainly not like you're playing outdoors in the heat, uh, for example. So you yep. can control things pretty well. So hydration isn't yep. isn't a huge issue for our for our athletes. Mm-hmm. Yep, and do they get plenty of time during, say, during a game? You've got thirty to forty minutes. Can they actually take a sip of water during that game, or or not yes. usually able to do so? Yeah, in general, that's restricted to the one minute breaks in between games. So in between each game, mm-hmm. you're at a minute break, and that's usually when they hydrate. You are allowed to have your water bottle. Or your, your hydration um, with you at the table as well. So after every six points, you're allowed a towel break. And uh, so if you do yep. need that, um, you can do it then. We find that most players don't. Mm-hmm. Most players find that they are able to rehydrate well enough in the in the times in the one minute in between each game. And each game, you know, only yep. goes for a couple of minutes. In you know, in general, mm-hmm. you know, between two to five minutes. In general, so it's not it's not a, a yeah. leap of time. Yeah, plenty of opportunities to drink. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Cool. Wow. So, how would a coach get into coaching para table tennis? I mean, obviously, you kind of fell into it, which seems to be a common theme with the coaches that I've spoken to. Is most of them didn't specifically target coaching para-athletes but moved into that area by by virtue of an opportunity that arose. Is that pretty much how new coaches might get into coaching para-table tennis? Yeah, it certainly has been in the past, but um, now what we've started up a para-coaches group that we have started a series of coaching seminars for, for coaches and, you know, we're targeting um, coaches from right around Australia and providing just information for them on some para-specific things, but also just coaching in general and, you know, just how. And I think the main message there is just to show coaches that para-coaching isn't some sort of um, scary beast that Mm. you you need to be worried about, that it's just really applying uh, simple principles of coaching that all of them are already doing and just then applying them to the the person that you've got in front of you and I've you know I yeah. think once you get into para coaching it that's a really easy realization but initially it, yeah. it is it is pretty scary because you know you see a player in a wheelchair and you think oh my goodness you know what can I possibly do to help them you know is, uh, is is a forehand still a forehand? Is a backhand still a backhand? Um, mm. and whereas there, are, I mean, there are obviously um, some particular differences in techniques and skills and all those sorts of things. The base is still the same, and there are definitely more similarities than there are differences in coaching an athlete with an impairment that, than it is to coach a able body athlete. So that's the real thing that we're mm. trying to bring to the group. You know, there's just the uh, to make them a bit more comfortable with jumping into para coaching, um, but then also you know we've mm-hmm. also working at different methodologies with our coaching that we're trying to develop and uh, we've been developing over the last couple of years 
with coaching and really, I mean, they're general coaching yeah. principles, but we're really trying to bring that into the para-coaching world so that when uh, new athletes are starting with their coaches in clubs, they're being exposed to these same types of principles so that when they transition mm-hmm. into the, the national squad, then, you know, when we're not hitting them with something completely different that's that's going to blow their mind. Mm. Yeah, so yeah. I guess now it's, it is it is more targeting coaches and targeting um, people around Australia to to get into, you know, para-specific coaching as well. Yeah, and do you see the same thing happening around the world or do you think that that's, it depends on the country and their depth and strength in, in para-table tennis? Yeah, I think... Uh, Para-table para tennis is, is really developed and advanced in a lot of countries and they're a lot of years ahead of us as far as the experience that they've had in, in para-table tennis. Um, you know, countries like France mm-hmm. and, and Germany, and then some of the Asian countries, Korea, Japan, China mm-hmm. as well. But I don't know that they're, that, that they're really targeting para-coaching as such, you know, so yeah, yeah. I, think, I think we may have a little bit of an advantage moving um, moving forward with uh, mm. coaching. Yeah, yeah. And what about an athlete if they were interested in getting into table tennis? How would they go about doing that? Yeah, so the probably the first step is to contact Table Tennis Australia or Paralympics Australia and just mm-hmm. show your interest and we will grab you with both hands and <laughs> give you, give you, give you a, a good experience of table tennis. And, and as I said, I mean, table tennis is a, is a sport that basically anyone can play. Not any, everyone mm-hmm. can be, you know, a superstar at it, but that's not what yeah. we're after either. You know, we're firstly after giving a really wide range of players an experience of playing table tennis and then if mm-hmm. you are good enough, have the desire, you know, really, really want to improve, then that opportunity is always there for you as well to uh, to move forward. So, yeah, first step, contact Tableton Australia or Paralympics Australia and and you can just give me a call if you want. I'll, um, I'll be happy to take anyone's call and, and uh, have a chat to you about what, what you can do to jump into to para table tennis. Yep, cool, excellent. And... What do you think is one of the biggest things that you've learned over the last 11 years of, mm-hmm. of working almost full-time with, with para at table tennis? What's, what's one of the, your biggest learnings? I think just, and, and this probably came early on in my experience, and it was when I was given the task of helping to write our Level 1 coaching course and we had to, you know, mm. at that time, put it in, in the compulsory inclusive coaching section. And I, at the mm. time, wasn't doing any para coaching. And I went to a chap called Darren Cunningham at the time, and he and I said to him, "Mate, I've got to, I've got to um, help to write this uh, section on inclusive coaching, and I, I know nothing about <laughs> the coaching para athletes." And he said, "Mate, like, if if a kid came in to you and had." no coordination or was you know really slow and um and had no feel for the game what would you do and i said oh well you know i'd start slow i'd maybe roll the ball i'd do this i'd do that and he said there you go there's there's a start and you know Mm. it's it's just about treating each player that comes in 
as an individual and just seeing what they are able to do. And once you get through that, then the rest is really easy. Uh, you know, develop develop the rapport with the player, ask them what they can and can't do, and then go from there. Mm. Any recommendations you'd have for practitioners, whether that's sports scientists or sports psychologists, sports dietitians, any specific recommendations you'd have for them? It's really the same. It's, it's look at the yeah. player, look at what their needs are individually. And we, we just, you know, working on some coaching videos for our, for our, our para coaches as well. And, you know, we, we've done a, a nutrition video with Jabon Crochet and, and a, and a essence mm-hmm. video with our physio, Maddie. And, and th- that message is, is really consistent across all of those areas. It's, it's look at what the athlete in front of you has, um, what's their individual needs and then, then work from there. Yeah. Yeah. Fabulous. Great. Well, thank you so much, Elois. You've given us a pretty clear picture of what the sport is about. And and I love the fact that it's inclusive. It'll take pretty much anyone and show them a good time with with a a small ball and a and a racket hopefully hopefully they don't get frustrated like I do with table tennis (laughs) I find the lack of coordination to be a little frustrating at times (laughs) 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 oh I might just take you up on that so just to finish off what's your favorite food oh Liz well um, if I'm <laughs> if I'm truthful, chocolate, and I'm a chocoholic. Oh, absolute chocoholic, and and it takes all my all my energy to um, to make good choices around that. But um, but, <laughs> but so does it have to be dark chocolate, or could it be milk chocolate? Have you got a particular favourite, mate? It, anything. If it's chocolate, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay so i'll turn up to the table tennis court with a a bag full of chocolate and i'll have you one over easily yeah yeah, you'll get hours and hours of my time that's right (laughs) (laughs) i love the barter system (laughs) but but having an indian background i i I love a you know a good curry and i i love um and i'm a terrible Mm -hmm. cook but i love being able to follow my mum's recipes and my auntie's recipes and 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 whip up some uh, some curries and and sometimes they taste a little bit like mum used to make and sometimes they take a little taste mm-hmm. like my auntie used to like make and sometimes they just taste shocking so <laughs> <laughs> and your your mum was a, a champion table tennis player I believe that's right yeah so she got me into the sport so yeah she was the Indian uh, women's singles champion in 1958 I hope I got that right yeah 19 oh no mm-hmm. 1959 it was uh, actually after my wow. my sister was born and dad was also a national weightlifting champion so um oh wow yeah so uh that's an interesting combo it is an interesting combo that's right and I definitely went down the down mum's path and uh but now in my <laughs> later life I, I'm just finding I'm, I'm in the gym more than I am on a table tennis table so because because I need to be Mm. <laughs> hope we all as we get older <laughs> that, that chocoholic habit unfortunately <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, it's an interesting combo, you know, a spicy curry followed off by some a, a little bit of chocolate just to, <laughs> to, to soften you, soften the uh, intensity. Did you say a little bit of chocolate, Liz? <laughs> yes, I was selective with my words. <laughs> I, I must remember who I was talking about. That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Eloise, I've really enjoyed to in speaking to you and learning more about the sport of table tennis and I really appreciate your time and wish you all the best. I guess you've got a world championships coming up, so uh, you've probably got a bit, pretty busy schedule to go on with. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, world championships in uh, November this year. So, yeah, it's uh, head down and, and uh, heading yeah, for Spain in November. Mm, cool. Well, thank you again. Thanks, Liz. Table tennis is obviously such an interesting and an inclusive sport and it's really lovely to hear that Alois is helping to produce a new generation of coaches who have some more para-specific knowledge when it comes to that coaching side of things. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. If you have any feedback, please leave it on the website. And if you want to share this with your social media, please do so. I hope you'll join us next time when we talk to Sam Gardner, who is the Senior Strength and Conditioning Coach for the US Paralympic team.